Welcome to Epignosis, the teaching ministry of Chris Morgan. May the light of God illuminate your heart and may the truth make you free as you listen. When God created the planets called Earth, according to Genesis, he put man in a garden to dress it and keep it. The picture of life in the garden seemed to be one of a utopia. There was everything. All was ready and provided. The image is a well-dressed garden with clear water streams and pleasant-looking trees. All the food you can eat and no worries at all. It sounds nice, doesn't it? There was only one problem. There was really nothing to do. Now I know the story says that man was to keep it and to dress it, but keep it from who? The serpent, who eventually interacted with Eve, was already in the garden, according to the story. And the way the conversation went, it gave no indication that Eve was surprised at all to see the serpent. This goes to show that the serpent, whoever or whatever he was, was an integral part of the environment. This then means keeping it wasn't keeping it from someone external, but it was about taking charge and taking responsibility. The garden, to me, is an allegorical representation of man's nursery. It was man's cradle, figuratively. Now in the garden, there were also trees, with two trees that stood out in particular. The first was the tree of life, and the second was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil was not to be eaten, according to the story, but no instruction came concerning the tree of life. Now that apparently meant that the tree of life could be eaten. The question here is why? We know that God does not do useless things. Why then would he make a tree which fruit cannot be eaten? What purpose did that tree with the lovely fruit serve? The story says that God looked at everything and it was good, including the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. We have always thought the tree was an evil tree. We never considered the fact that it was made by a good God. And therefore, it could not be evil if it was made by a God who is good. I think it was rather a misunderstood tree. The question now becomes, why would God make it, put it within reach, then restrict its use? The only thing that makes sense in the whole story is that God never meant to restrict its use perpetually, but only temporarily. I think the tree was to be eaten when man was ready. One thought that came to me so many times for so many years as a young Christian was, why did God not want man to know good and evil when he himself knew it? This was a silent thought in my mind about God, wondering why God seemed so insecure about man's mental development. 
However, looking at the whole thing now in the light of updated knowledge, I now understand that it was simply a matter of process. It wasn't that God didn't want man to eat the fruit. It was that man was to eat it when man was ready. If we say God put something that was bad in man's environment, then asked him never to touch it, then it means God set a trap for man, which makes him a tempter. Now James 1.13 says that, Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempted he any man. So God cannot tempt anybody. It was never a question of if man will eat the fruit. It was a question of when. Now when a newborn comes into the world, they are basically appendages of their mothers. They have no need to make decisions. So all decisions are made for them. However, a time comes when lessons on what to do and when to do it will begin. Until the child can grow gradually and detach and become an individual. I believe when man was created, they were just like newborns. Man was an appendage of God at creation without the need to know certain things, just like a baby. There are certain things we don't want the kids to know or hear because we believe they are not yet matured enough to know them. But eventually, as time goes on, they will know it, whether we like it or not. Sometimes a little too early. But just like the kids, man ate the second fruit, which took man from being appendages to being individuals. Therefore, that second tree is an allegorical representation of man's power of independence. So there it was. Man had become independent from God to think for himself, learn, and decide his own path. The problem with independence is that along with cutting off from under direction, you are also cut off from the resources of your former host. In this particular case, the resource in question was life, which explains why God warned that man will die if he ate the second fruit. Though the tree of life was always there and man did not eat it, I wonder why. Now having eaten the second fruit, why didn't God just destroy man or just start again? I believe this is because man was always meant to eat that second fruit. It may have been too early when he ate it, but he was always meant to eat it. Man was always meant to leave the garden and to be the God of this world he was designed to be. The garden was never to be a permanent abode, but a cradle. Remember man was made to be like God. And what is God? God creates. So man needed to go out and create his own world. Thinking about it, even the fact that man never ate that first fruit, which is the fruit of life, was also anticipated by God. 
How do I know this? In Revelations 13.8, it says, And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him, whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb, slain from the foundation of the world. The last part of that scripture says that the Lamb was slain from the foundation of the world. That means God already planned salvation before man was created. Also in Ephesians 1.4 it says, According as he had chosen us in him before the foundation of the world. This means that the redemption of man was already planned, perfected and executed spiritually before man was even created. In other words, the eating of the second fruit was in the agenda and not eating from the first fruit was also anticipated. This is because when Christ came on the earth, he was asked and he said, I have come that they may have life. He also declared, I am the way, the truth, and the life. The life we missed out on, not taken on the tree of life, is not available through Christ. So those who think that God was surprised that the second fruit was eaten are totally wrong. And those who believe that salvation plan came after eating of the fruit are also mistaken. Now in view of the foregoing, it stands to reason that eating the fruit was always in the plan. But maybe it came a little earlier than anticipated. Now let's go to the heart of this matter. In a similar way, when you first start to climb the ladder of spiritual enlightenment, you're just like a newborn baby. Born again, as Christ put it. It's just like another beginning. The only difference this time is that you are given the fruit of the tree of life, which is in the form of Christ himself. Now at this stage, you are an appendage living in some kind of utopia similar to Adam and Eve at creation. It appears at that time as if life is just a bed of roses. When you first get born again, that's how it is. You see nothing bad in anything. All your prayers seem to be answered even before you pray. In fact, you could swear that God was always physically by your side. There were no problems. You were always happy, full of joy. Then suddenly, after some years, you find your eyes opened. Life is no longer a bed of roses at that time. You now see problems you have never seen before. Even within your own church family, the pastors no longer seem so perfect as they seemed. Even your own nakedness, your shortcomings becomes apparent to you. You no longer feel like Superman. The need for maturity starts to awaken within you. Eventually, even the things your pastor is saying on the pulpit is no longer enough. You begin to feel the need to study for yourself. Then suddenly you see your mission, a work for you to do in the great divine project. And if you refuse to do it, troubles will arise for your sake and push you out into the world to till the ground. This whole thing reminds me of a movie called The Matrix. For those of you who are movie lovers as I am, the second fruit 
is equivalent to the red pill in that movie. Now in that movie, the red pill will open your eyes to harsh realities. And taking the blue pill, you will remain blinded and imprisoned in an artificially generated utopia. Now if this is happening to you, don't worry. Nothing is wrong with you. You have simply eaten of the second fruit or the red pill and now you are in the process of independence to grow. It was never a matter of if you will eat that second fruit. It was always a matter of when. It's a necessity if you must grow. You must go and till the ground and go through the challenges that are prepared for you. So cheer up. It doesn't mean it's the end because as you till the ground, you will create, you will build, you will refine, not only for your environment, but also for yourself. Eventually, you will be engrafted back into the source, no more as an appendage, but as a conscious participator sent out to develop now back in and contributing your own strength and light to the divine whole. So do not despair on account of your troubles. Stop thinking you have offended God because you are seeing things that are wrong in the church or faults in the body of Christ or faults in the work. You have seen loopholes and you need to fix it. Simply get to work. The dissatisfaction you feel is a byproduct of growth. Just do something about it. Till the ground. Make things happen. Create. Build. Refine. And a place awaits you in the divine order by Christ. A graduate of the divine school of everlasting authority and rulership. A member of that divine whole at the end of the day. Thank you very much for listening and God bless you. We hope you were blessed by these teachings. For inquiry, support and contributions, kindly send us an email on epignosis721 at gmail.com You can also send us a message via WhatsApp on 234 We would love to hear from you. God bless you.